Hey, Prabcast listeners. On today's episode, we had the awesome opportunity to interview Corey Fleischer, better known as Erasing Hate. Corey's been removing hateful and offensive graffiti all around the city for about nine years now. And wow, we were just absolutely floored on hearing his experience and his adventure. And we really hope that today you'll be able to get at least inspired from uh, his journey and his progress. So here's today's episode. So you're going to start right. with the opening? Cool. All right, so today uh, we have Corey, a racing hate, as you can see on his vest. Um, Corey, thank you for being here today at the Prab, uh, the Prab headquarters. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank uh, you uh, thank you for having me in your uh, beautiful space you guys have over here. Thank yeah. you. Uh, as soon as he walked in through that door, uh, the energy was up. Uh, he had uh, lots to say, so we had to cut it because we want to get all the footage, all the juice in this podcast. So. Let's, the juice is worth the squeeze. The juice yeah, is worth yeah, the that's squeeze. It, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get started. So Corey, erasing hate. How did it start? Who is Corey? How did you get to where you are today? Okay. So um, all right. Uh, so erasing hate started. Um, it, it came off of um, came off of Corey, who was spent most of his life um, completely lost, right? So, um, you know, yeah, you have Corey Fleischer, you have a racing hate, and so there was this guy that was, you know, um, I, have, I have a learning disability, right? So going through school, going through high school, going through university, um, I was that guy that would go from class to class and have a, a, a teacher, um, a tutor, who would follow me from class to class to class, right? And so today, you know, that was, it's something that, um, you know, it's very accepted, but like when I was going to school in the late 90s or mid 90s, right it was like oh my god who is this kid going from class to class right so I spent a lot of time um, struggling in school failing in school feeling that because I um, because I wasn't doing good in school that I was never gonna mount to nothing right so that was that's how I spent literally probably like the first 20 years of my life okay literally every day right so um, you know and so I was lucky enough that I, I played hockey um, I was you know an okay hockey player I ended up getting a scholarship uh, to go to a prep school in Maine, uh, wow. in the U.S. Um, so I graduated here with a uh, 53 average. I went to Lindsay Place. Um, Lindsay Place was like the worst school for somebody like me. It was uh, a place where, you know, there was like 50 kids in a classroom and the teachers were like just trying to make sure that nobody was fighting and it, it was a mess. I was, you know, um, at that point in my life, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do and I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't have uh, the self-esteem to think that, you know, that I was going to amount to something. And so a lot of kids, when I go into schools these days, a lot of kids, you know, I try finding myself, um, I have this thing called the Erasing Hate School Tour where I go into schools, I try finding my, the first thing I do when I go in there is I try finding myself in the crowd, right? Wow. I, I make everybody stand up and then I'm like, if you're not like this, you sit down, you sit down, you sit down. Oh, wow. And then there's like three people left and I'm like, listen to me, I'm like, I am you. And I wish that one day... I, I, you know, like when I was in high school, somebody would have came in and told me that, you know, listen, high school is, is, is it's, it could be a brutal place, yeah, be yeah, a brutal yeah. place. And, and it's realistically, it's, it's not, you know, how you're doing in school doesn't necessarily mean, you know, what, what's going to happen after school. And uh, so the same thing happened in university. I, I got a scholarship to go play hockey in university and I'm going through university and, and uh, I'm undeclared. Like I'm taking all my classes. I'm seeing everybody going, you know, taking uh, law classes and taking business classes and, you know, finance classes and I'm there and I'm undeclared. So first year goes by undeclared. Second year goes by I'm undeclared. And, um, you know, end of third year, uh, I sat down with my guidance counselor who I, you know, I'd constantly go and see because I had all these 
extra, you know, things that I was, I was, was able to get extra time on my tests and I had all my notes taken for me. You know, I was, I was, because of the disability or because you were a hockey player? No, because I was, it, because of the disability. Okay. And so, um, I have a language processing disorder. So, um, which means that I'm able to, um, you know, think of like in my head, I know what I want to say, but in order to verbalize it, it's, it's a big issue. It, it was a big well, issue. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you have to understand, I spent so much time um, working on that and I spent so much time with tutors and I, you know, now, um, you know, for somebody who, you know, has, who's always had a language processing disorder and had problems expressing themselves, you know, now I'm doing talks in front of 10, 15,000 people. Right. So, you know, it goes to show you that your, you know, your greatest weaknesses can sometimes be your, your, your biggest assets and your greatest strengths if you, if you put time and work into them, right? Um, so that's kind of what happened so um you know at the end of my um you know real quick story i actually end of third year um i decided to take a woman's studies class okay like i was a hockey player i was in university and i'm like you know what i'm like uh, if i'm gonna be in university not knowing what i'm gonna want to do i might as well go hang around something that i'm interested <laughs> in right was this so, at the prep school no this is at university now right yeah, in okay. no i was actually in niagara so yeah so i went i went from uh went from maine to new york to boston uh to niagara okay. yeah and so um i ended up the first day i get into class and it's this big auditorium it's like my third year um, and uh, I come in there's like 500 women in this huge auditorium me and some 80 year old Chinese dude right and in the first five minutes I had uh, the teacher was asking questions and um, the teacher has asked me a question I answered it very nicely and I answered it very professionally and then for the next 10 minutes after that I had you know girl after girl get up saying that I'm the reason why, you know, these classes are necessary, that some hockey jock is now in these classes only because there's women in here and realistically they were probably somewhat right, right? <laughs> but that's all I needed was to be like, oh, you don't want me here? I'm like, okay, now I have a reason to be here, right? And that's kind of my mentality always. And it's kind of the mentality that I'm doing now. So, um, you know, so I ended up spending, you know, I, I took another woman's studies class and another woman's studies class and now my whole thing is women's studies, right? I'm just... Literally. You're, you're, you're professional. Women's, professional insights, <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah, so, you know, I ended up at the end of my third year um, talking to my guidance counselor and I'm like, what's the quickest way out of university? I need to get out of here. And so she's, you know, with a big smirk on her face at women's studies. So I ended up graduating with a women's studies degree. Um, but kind of, you know, the question you kept keep on getting asked is like, uh, you know, what are you going to do with the rest of your life, right? And that's such a terrible question. It's such a... You know, especially for kids who are growing up who don't know what they do, when they're constantly asked that, it's just like this punch in the stomach every time. So let's let's think about. It. So sure. you you were you were in high school. You had a learning disability. Uh, you were singled out because you were being followed around by yeah. a guidance counselor or someone who was helping you with your disability yeah. through class to class. My tutor, my tutors, Bertie's Dresner. Hi, how are you? I love you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm in constant contact with her. Also, I listen for people who've helped me out in the past. I never forget you, right? But yeah. for the people that have never helped me, I have no yeah. idea who you yeah, are. So exactly. that's, that's, that's how so, so then you went. So then you left the high school. You went. You were a good hockey player. Would assume for you guys. I was an okay hockey player. Yeah, I was considering his size, he's I was pretty. A, I, I, I'm sure he was a rough. Uh, he was the, the rough guy on the edge. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was the guy who uh, who who got the tap on the coach when there was stuff that was. Going <laughs> okay, go get game. number nine. Yeah, that, that, that is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you realize, you know, that is the way I spent a lot of my life. I I, I found substance in protecting all my teammates, right? right? And so, if you're looking what I'm doing right 
now, it's really the exact same thing. When I graduated university and stopped playing hockey, I had this real empty hole in my life, right? I'm like, holy shit, I can't play hockey anymore. I'm like, I'm not protecting anybody anymore. I'm not doing anything. But realistically, when I started doing this, you know, and I started thinking about what I'm doing, it's really the exact same thing. Exactly. I'm still the enforcer, except my, my team is just, you know, a few hundred thousand people, people now instead, of, instead yeah. of 20 people. Yeah. It's literally the exact same thing. Yeah. I'm still playing the exact same role. It's been the exact role that I've always been comfortable playing. And, uh, and that's kind of, uh, that's sure. kind of where we're at. Can, can you touch on a point? Because like for someone that hasn't had a learning disability or wasn't singled out in school, they don't know necessarily how it feels, but there's a lot of people that are in the same position. Sure. You mentioned, you know, like not doing good in school doesn't mean you're not going to do good in life. Yeah. Right. How did you get that through to yourself when you're going through it and maybe help other people that are going through it now? I had to really kind of ignore everybody. I had to really just know my, find my own worth, know my own worth. I always knew that like I was capable, I always knew that this was gonna happen. I always knew that I was gonna do something that was gonna change the world. I, don't, I didn't know what it was, but a lot of my time was spent thinking, man, you're underselling yourself because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I always had that, it was always in the back of my head, it was always there. Um, I didn't know it was gonna grow to this amount. It didn't need to be public. Uh, I could have been helping people privately, uh, but I knew that I was gonna do something that was gonna, that was gonna have an effect. I just, when you know that deep inside and you know your worth and you know where you should be at and you're not there, you feel like you're underselling yourself. And so I also spend a lot of my time feeling like that. And uh, when I got to the point where um, I was like, you know, like, well, like I knew I was going to be here. I knew that there was something, you know, I was going to get to this point. I, you know, it was like one of the very few times where I felt content with myself. I, I, I'm never content with myself. So it was like one of those times where like, okay, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and that came about by me not listening to anybody, right? You have to understand when I started doing this, right? This was, you know, when I started actually spending my all my time doing this was like nine years ago right and so nine years ago you know there wasn't you know maybe people were on facebook or you know you know it wasn't it wasn't something that was you know you open up your phone you open up your social media and it's there you, it wasn't there there was no hate on your phones there was no there was no nothing and so um i spent the first five years traveling the city um, looking for anything that I could erase, right? And I was doing it privately. And in the first five years, I found 50 pieces, okay? So around 10 a year. I found those pieces and I erased those pieces myself. I got no help from nobody. Nobody even knew what I was doing. I, I had this thing where I, where I was like, I didn't want people to know that this was going on in their own backyard, right? I had this thing like, you know, uh, should I be telling people? Should I not be telling people? I'm like, if I tell people what's going on or what I'm doing, they're gonna think I'm some fucking weirdo. Why? You Why know? did you decide this? Why did you decide so one so day to come out? so so one day I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, it's better off. And it, this was one of the biggest, um, you know, turning points in my life where I was like, you know, it's better off that I that people know what's going on than don't know what's going on. So I remember this moment vividly, like I was like. Like, like literally as if it was yesterday, I was sitting on my computer, um, I'm on Facebook and I uploaded uh, my uh, few swastikas and the rules that I did, right? And the, you weren't seeing this stuff on the internet. I mean, like it wasn't there. So in my head, I'm like, am I really gonna post this? I'm like, um, am, I, am I like, people are gonna think that I'm some fucking weirdo. No girl's ever gonna talk to me ever again. Like everybody's gonna like think that, you know, what's wrong with this guy, right? He's spending all his time doing this and so, um, you know, and so I sat there and back in the day, I don't know how Facebook runs right now, but it, when you upload pictures 
and you don't post right away, um, it reloads, it reloads after like 20, 30 minutes, it reloads the page and you got to re-upload, right? I did it like four times. I sat in front of my computer for like two and a half hours. And then, um, and then one day, uh, one day, uh, literally after like three or four hours, I just, I clicked it, it went up and it was just like bang, 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 bang. And, uh, literally that's the exact minute my life changed. And, um, you know, the, the, the calls from the radio started coming in, the calls from the TV stations wow. coming in. And I already had five years worth of stuff that I had already taken. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't cover everything. I didn't take pictures of everything that I was removing. It wasn't like I had the mind frame of five years ago, knowing what it was going to turn into now. Sometimes I kind of wish that I did cause I'd be five years further. Um, but, uh, but you know, things happen for a reason. It was like my training session for the big times. And now it's, it's, um, you know, now it, it turned into me doing it by myself to having hundreds of thousands of people around the world looking for hate, um, you know, sending erasing you hate, hate, sending, sending you. me hate, erasing hate themselves, um, stepping up. And so what you're seeing is social change, right? You're seeing, you're literally seeing social change. It was something that people would run away from or something that people didn't feel comfortable going towards, right? Um, you know, and people would run away from the fire. They would see it. Um, and they wouldn't feel comfortable with it. They would, they would feel, uh, you know, this is a guy who put that going to know it's me that erased it. You know, people are like, oh, I don't want to do it. Right. And it really, sometimes just, you just need to see one person doing it and the next person follows and the next person follows. And it's kind of like, I'm holding everybody's hand saying, yo, you're okay. Just yo, you're fucking okay, yeah. man. Get, get like, like, you know, get there. You know, you're going to help somebody else by doing that. And that's kind of what happened with my videos. So I end up using the hate here in Montreal to inspire people all around the world to raise hate. So every hater in Montreal, thank you very much for, uh, for doing what you're doing because you've inspired a movement right across the world for people to do. And, and so that's like one of my favorite things, you know, it's that's just, amazing. yeah, man, it's that's like, I, I just, uh, that's where it's at. You, you, back to the thing, you were, you, so you were playing hockey, you were, you were, you were, you know, you didn't know what you wanted to do in, in university, you did the yep. women's studies thing, but you knew you were an enforcer. I think the big message when I'm listening to you speak is that you knew inside of you, like you were self-aware of what, 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 what your potential was, and you just wanted to express it out in the world to make a difference. Look, I just wanted to feel complete. I wanted to feel like I, uh, I was completely, like, it didn't matter, realistically, you know, I'm one of those guys where I really don't care about shit with anybody, I don't care what you think about me, I don't care about what you think about me, I don't care about what you think about me, I really don't give a shit. And so when you get to that level of not giving a shit, it's just freedom that you're like, oh shit, I'm like, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. That's, right? that's power. Yeah. Right? So yeah. That's so power. yeah. So so I mean, um, you know, that's that's where it's at. And so when you get to that level, of not caring what it is, you could really do you could really do a lot of damage. And uh, that's kind of my mind frame. That's kind of like how how I roll everything. And so I started doing this. Everybody thinks I started doing this for everybody else, right? That I had some vision in my mind that it was going to create social change across the world, and that you know all of a sudden now people all over the world are going to start taking down hate um, and copying what we're doing. Man, I had uh, you know like if I had vision of that like I would have to be some you know this has never been done before this is the first movement of its kind the world has ever seen we are the first movement um, that targets locates and eliminates hate speech anywhere in the world free of charge I mean like like it's impossible to, to, to kind of do that so um, you know that's that's kind of that's kind of how I was rolling but I, like at the beginning it was for self-completion it's to make myself feel like I was whole um, I, I like I was doing that from, I'm still doing this for myself. I'm not doing this for anybody else but myself. I'm doing this to make me feel complete. It's great that it's, that it's affecting other people and it's great that it's doing, you know, um, that it's creating social change. But if it wasn't, 
I'd still be doing this because it makes me feel good. And so, you know, a lot of people talk about selfish as a, as a negative term, right? Um, and so for me, when I, you know, you could be selfish in a negative term, but you could also be self selfish in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And uh, my selfishness in a positive way has, has kind of reacted into this global thing. And, um, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got you got to really, you know, um, you know, a lot of people, they struggle with, with taking time for themselves, man. And uh, you need to be, you need to be complete in order for you to, to help other people. And if you're not, if you're not able to be healthy and upstairs and downstairs, if you're not able to kind of, um, you know, have yourself complete, you're, you're no good to anybody else. And so you have a lot of broken people walking around because they're just helping other people and they're just doing this and doing that and they're not worrying about themselves. And uh, so my advice is to make sure that you're you're taking time for yourself because you're you who you are you know for a lot of people is their most you know biggest asset that they have. I mean my my biggest asset is not you know my 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 asset is me me like my asset my my biggest thing that separates me from everybody else is me. Dude, look, you have to understand the only difference between me and you guys where we're sitting, you know, where you're sitting, where I'm sitting, you know, everybody at home what they're watching, the only difference between everybody here is that you know, I have a power washer, some water and drive to make a difference, right? Water, mm -hmm. power washer, and drive to make a difference. A lot of people think in order to make change around the world or to make a difference, that you need these algorithms, these unattainable things, millions of dollars. Yo, those are just fucking excuses that people throw out in order to clog what they're doing and then they can't get anywhere. One step at a time, have a vision, you know, and just fucking work at it, man. Like, just work at it. And consistency, so, consistency. Consistency is fucking everything, man. Yeah. Uh, or we got the swear? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't really, uh, <laughs> on my videos, I don't really swear a lot, but, you know, I, I, I trust You're passionate about your passion. Yeah, I trust people that swear, so yeah. I, I kind of like, uh, I kind of <laughs> keep it a little bit uh, separate, but I feel like right now we're okay. Yeah. I'd be yeah. curious, Corey, you know, to ask you, given that, you know, you kind of grew into this situation right now and you created a movement around the world, which you are technically the head of. Yeah. How do you deal with being the head of such a big movement? Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't, I, look, I, I don't even, I don't even think about it, man. It's just, uh, I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't, I have a major problem with realizing what I'm doing in the moment. I never know what I'm doing in the moment. And so, um, you know, for me, it's what's going on tomorrow. And hopefully one day I'll look back and I'll be able to answer that question. But like right now, it's just, I, I don't even think about it. I don't even like, okay, we're going, we're doing the thing. Sometimes I don't even realize that, you know, I have hundreds of thousands of people that are, you know, watching everything that I'm doing. And so I don't even like, I don't even, um, you do what feels good and then it projects that's itself. It, that's it. And yeah. so just realistically me being myself is what inspires other people to just kind of step up and be themselves. Amazing. And so for me, that's, that's like, uh, it's um it's really hard to put into words yeah, yeah it's really it's really you know when you're really just being yourself and you're making a difference because you're just doing yourself man that's like you know you see a lot of these um you know you know music you know people who are in the music industry artists who you know they're they write their own music they're singing their own things and they're singing and then all of a sudden hits start coming out man that's like you know it's my own vision my own words i'm singing and people are fucking driving to it you can, nothing's no, better than that. Nothing, nothing. No, nothing's gonna come in your way. I don't. I don't need you or you or anybody else, and I don't need the news, and I don't. I don't need. I don't need anybody. I don't. I don't need anything. I just need my phone. I need my phone and and my drive. And if it That's wasn't amazing. this, it'd be something else. And so you know, there's a few other things that I'm passionate about, and um, 
you know, I dibble dabble. I do my uh, I do my thing. I spend most of my time raising hate, but uh, there's a few other uh, organizations that I work with that I that I put time in, and, and that's what just makes okay. me feel whole. So yeah. So 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 like the, for the first part, from what I'm understanding, is that no matter like uh, the, the the interviews, the news, whatever the case may be, you're still Corey, and you're still the same person you were before, and you're still doing what you did before. But you're complete. I'm the exact same person as I've always been growing up as from high school to university to right now, like nothing has ever changed. And so, um, you know, I was a captain of my team in, in high school, prep school. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, an enforcer when I was in university and it's realistically the exact same thing, man. I'm just, you know, also when you're playing sports for so long, right. And you're, you know, I mean, you know, sports is a real real you know for me was a real big thing in my life it was like the i was terrible at school but i was i was pretty good at sports right so it was like one of those things where like okay i'm gonna put my time to that but when you're learn how to work in a team-like environment you know like a lot of people who don't do sports they don't understand how it is to work to be you know 20 30 people yeah. as one thing and so i uh i, I actually really learned um everything you know kind of in 2000 and uh 2001 i um 2001 i w went to a school called uh, plattsburgh state which plattsburgh right over here yeah. right and you think plattsburgh is like some dump right yeah. you're just like oh man like plattsburgh like, whatever but yo no joke you just get good deals on yeah. food there right Not a, yeah, but, but, but there's a university in plattsburgh called plattsburgh state university right and uh it is like when i like Listen, I, w I never wanted to come home. It was, it was, um, you know, I think there was like 11,000 kids in the school. And, you know, anybody from Plattsburgh, they don't stay in Plattsburgh. They leave, right? And all these kids from New York City, they're like, yo, we got to go upstate because it's like upstate, go to university. So we had all these kids in uh, from New York City and it was just a great time. And um, I was... I, I got the opportunity uh, of a lifetime to play on this hockey team. Plattsburgh State University is a very big um, um, hockey team that's down there. They're covered by the news. They got like five, six thousand people a game, and um, and I, I, I just I was coming right out of uh, high school, and so I'm with all these dudes who are you know five years older than me, four years older than me, and um, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't a good enough hockey player to kind of hang with these guys. Like I was, I was kind of out of my league uh, with. Uh, with these players, right? And we won a national championship that year. Okay? Oh, wow. We were the number one team in the whole country. I have a national championship ring. And so I, I was a part of these, a part of this team of a group of guys that was really just 25 guys acting as one. And so... Um, to win a national. So to, to win to, a nationals, I, we all played sports here. And yeah. We always get that analogy. Yeah. You really need to be united. Because well, you, can have, you can have 25 amazing players, but if they're not playing well that, together, you'll never freaking, you'll never fucking win. That, that, never. That, that, that's the whole thing. Never. And so I wasn't, so I broke my knee. I broke my knee three weeks before I went to the school. Okay. So those guys on the team, you know, while they're practicing, while they're playing, I'm rehabbing. Right. And they could have made me feel like I was not part of the team or like I was like, you know, just this guy who's like there. Hurt, like, yeah. But like, that's not what happened, man. And so, um, these guys, you know, I've been on so many hockey teams with so many players and all I really, if you're asking about hockey, there's only one team with 25 guys that have really taught me my lesson. And so these guys are the ones who taught me really how to be a team, how to never let anybody kind of back and kind of how to go forward. And so uh, I'm so grateful for those fucking 25 guys, man. I'm still That's in contact funny. with a bunch of them and... Uh, and I'm sure they're doing well. If they're all those type of team players, I'm sure they're all, you know, well, you know, listen, some people, you know, later on in life, you know, they, 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 
yeah, things was, had they lost or whatever it is. But realistically, I learned a lot of lessons from those guys. And I was a younger kid looking at older guys and I was just watching and I had the opportunity to watch and see how to treat people and just, you know, so that was a fucking big thing for me, man. It was just watching them and kind of seeing where it's at. And uh, I, I, I rolled the bench the whole year. You know, I, I didn't play. It was like, you know, this, 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 this guy who, but... I never felt that like, and they never made me feel like that. And so that's how I treat other people. And it's the same thing right now. Like I, I, I have the same mentality as those guys have with me that I have with everybody else. And so that's where we're at with that. Yeah. I guess that's why you came today because you could have just said, ah, these guys are too yeah. small time for me, right? No, man, no, no, that's, that's not the way that I am, man. You know, I do say no to a lot of, um, I do say no to a lot of interviews now. Um, because sometimes I feel like people are using what I'm doing as a way to blow up their own thing, right? So uh, if I feel that, then I, I say no. I don't. I don't need any more interviews. And I say the same thing to news. Like I used to think in my head, I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, I need the news there. I need like, I need whoever to be there, right? To, to, to for it to go out. And realistically, I don't need anybody, man. I, all I need is my phone. I, I don't need. I don't need anybody. I don't need. I don't need the CNN. I don't. I, nobody. My the views on my phone, the views on the videos, they get more than than any news channels anyway. So yeah. it's like I have my own personal news channel and being able to to kind of put out whatever I want. And uh, and so that's also power. And uh, you had mentioned uh, the charities. You had mentioned that you're not only doing this, you're also yeah. working with some charities. What's that about? Uh, so I have um, this group of, I go to this gym called APC Gym, Adrenaline's Performance yeah. Center. It's um, on Devonshire here. And uh, it, is a, it is a special place, man. Uh, John Chamberg, who's uh, my trainer, he's, um, you, just, you just have a lot of people with the same mentality going to the same place, right? And uh, you just, there's a lot of guys that are just, uh, uh, Abel from Toys Auto Art uh, yeah, also going there. Yeah, man, it's just uh, a lot of the NHL hockey players go there, and uh, so there's this girl um, who who goes there. Her name's Satara Malka, um, and she, man, this like you guys gotta have her on here, man. She is like you, like even me saying this, like I, she is just hey, this, She is just this. She's really special, right? And so she came up to me one day, and we were, we were training. And she's like, man, she's like, you know, I want to make a difference. I want to do things. And I've had thousands of people write me that. Oh, I want to do, how do I do this? What am I doing? Da, 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 da. And like, so she came up to me and she's like, uh, she's like, listen, I want to do something. I've always wanted to do something. I want to make a difference. How do I do it? And I'm like, you just got to start doing it. Just tomorrow, start doing it. And that's what she did. Bang, bang. And all of a sudden, you know, after four weeks, so she has, it's called Spread the Love MTL. And if everybody's at home, follow Spread the Love MTL. Um, but what they do is they, they, you know, go help out all the homeless, right? And there's a lot of people who help out the homeless, but they, they kind of do it in this, this whole other way and so you know they give haircuts and but you know a lot of people they give old jackets and and where she's rolling around getting 200 brand new jackets with fur around the side and brand wow. new gloves and boots she's asking homeless people in the streets you know what size boots they are running to walmart grabbing the shoes coming back and oh, wow. man when i see that it's like and then she got the whole gym involved right so um so it's just like when you when i that, like I get the same feeling from racing hate as when I'm working with her, just watching her. So I can get like I'm just I'm continually chasing this feeling. I'm continually chasing this adrenaline. It this, becomes a drug. It, it becomes a drug. addiction. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm constantly chasing that. I'm always chasing that feeling. So wherever I can get it, I get it. It's like a drug. I tell everybody this is like drugs. You know, it's um, it's what it feels like. It's like once you start, you ju you just you can't stop. Yeah. And so uh, so that's it. So yeah, shout out to spread the love, MTL. That's amazing. Yeah. That's uh really inspirational and. You know, obviously we follow you and we, we, we love your movement. Uh, I've also noticed you don't just do graffiti removal. Yeah. You do tattoo. Paper. Anything. 
anything. So, uh, you know, I started off in Montreal, right? It was just a Montreal-based situation. And then the video started going viral. And then I started getting people writing me from literally all over the world. Australia, uh, all over Europe, uh, Saudi Arabia, like places where like you can't even believe people are messaging me from. Our, uh, South America, Argentina, uh, like... like so when that started happening, like for a little while, I was I felt really helpless, right? I'm like, how the fuck am I gonna be able to get down? Yeah. To, I can't fly to Argentina to move a swastika, <laughs> come back. You know, the guy puts it back up again. I gotta fly back to Argentina. Like it's not fucking happening, right? So I really, I really felt, uh, I felt helpless for a bit. And then I'm like, yo, like just do what I constantly do. Start being proactive. And so I started making phone calls. And so then I started realizing it was almost easier for me to remove hate in Australia as it is for me to remove hate here. I mean, if I want to remove hate where we are right now, I got to go back to my shop, grab my truck, grab yeah. my product, come back here, blast it away, da, da, da. If, I'm in Aust- if there's something in Australia or, or Beverly Hills or wherever it is, I literally put the address, okay? I put the what you need in order to remove it. I put like, you know, nail polish remover, a rag, a bottle of water. Here's the address. Here's the, here's the place. This is what you need. And uh, literally, okay, literally, you start seeing people running towards no that's way. amazing running and what do you do you like so people will film it themselves you know some people don't film it some people just whatever it is but you know instead of people running out of the fire now everybody's running towards, towards the fire. it that's wow that's big that's a that's scale yeah 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 so so that's kind of how i do it so um i use the audience to kind of um i use the audience to not only flush out hate Okay, they're the one. So instead of just one set of eyes, I have hundreds of thousands of eyes, and uh, now I have you know hundreds of thousands of people that are you know in a foot soldiers, like yeah, uh, in a minute, just yeah. you know we're we're all equal, and so it's just like there's there's you know we're all we're all with the same thing. Hate is something that affects everybody. Of course, it, it affects the Jews, it affects the Italians, you know, the, the gay community, the black community, the Muslim community. We're all one, right? And so it's like, um, and, and, and I don't care who you are, hate is directed towards everybody, and so. So it's something that it's a universal feeling that everybody can relate to it. So that's why I'm able to kind of get into, uh, uh, you know, to everybody's heads. And um, I'm very, um, I, I don't, there's no, I, I, empathy, right? Empathy is, is, uh, is, is like, I wish I could just fucking walk around with a shirt that says empathy. Because empathy is something that's lost, right? Nobody, like these days, empathy, like is, uh, you know, to, 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 to actually to, to, know, to look at somebody else and being like, like, this doesn't affect me, but I know what it'll affect you. And then to step up and to make a difference is like a lost art. Like you'll never fucking find that. Right. It's like something that, uh, that it's like, man, it's like, yo, step up and go and help somebody else. Right. Go and if you helping somebody else is going to help you out. And so that's like one of the major things about erasing hate. And it's one of the things that I'm most proud about is that, you know, even if it's my own personal book, like, you know, I have my own, like I'm, you know, Corey Fleischer's a person too. And I have my own personal thoughts about something, but it's irrelevant. Like I can care less, you know, if it's going to affect somebody and it's affects, I'm going to take care of it. And so, you know, I've even removed, like, even when, you know, people writing like, you know, fuck you Nazi or fuck this or fuck that, I'm taking it down that. You know, I just, yeah, hate is hate. And so, you know, and I'm stopping the cycle of hate. And a lot of people, you know, will put an X over it or they don't have the tools in order to remove it. I just fucking grab it. I snatch it and it's fucking mine now. So I have the biggest collection of swastikas in the fucking world. I mean, I'll go against everybody, uh, whatever it is, man. You know, every time I take down a swastika, it's now my swastika. It's mine. It's not yours anymore. You can never have it back. It's gone now. It's mine. Not, and so that's how I, that's how I see things, man. You speak you speak about empathy, right? Especially yeah. you know those ones that are deflecting the hate. What would you say to those people that are 
creating this. I have no, I have no comment. I have no, no time for any of those guys who put down anything. You go do whatever you want to do. It's irrelevant because we're coming after it, and so it doesn't. Boom. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what they're thinking. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. It doesn't matter why they're thinking the way that they are. It's irrelevant now. I used to spend all my time. I used to fucking just drain me at the beginning of this. I'm like, man. I'm like, how can these people be doing these things? How can these people? In 2019. 2019. Yeah. How, how can how can you go out in the middle of the night and fucking you know swastika up a synagogue or a church or write on a, on a black community center? You know, kill all you know n words and. I used to think like, where do you have to be in order to do that? And, you know, it used to kill me, bro. Like, it was, like I couldn't get up from bed. Like that's how that's how fucked up it was. And then one day I'm like, yo, I don't, I, 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 I could care less. I could care less. I could care less. You want to come back? I'm coming back the next day. I'm like, you, the next day, the next day, the next day. I had this thing. Um, I had this thing a few years ago in um, in uh, uh, Point de Cascade where there was this um, yeah, there was this anchor. You know, it's just, it's, it's literally like my, my biggest thing that, that has ever happened with a racing hate. Uh, there's this anchor that's, there's an anchor park, you know, like a boat anchors, yeah. like huge anchors. And uh, there's this park in Puente Cascade that uh, it's like a museum. They call it a museum um, for, um, for anchors. And so it literally, there's a park with kids playing everywhere, soccer fields and a baseball field. And, and then there's this anchor park. And in that anchor park were um, two anchors that had swastikas on them. So you have to understand, swastikas are thousands of years old, right? And not until the 30s, until Hitler took that symbol, you know, and, and changed it, was it a sign of hate. Before it was a sign of peace, it was a sign of love, a sign of prosperity. Um, and so, you know, today it's forever changed. But so there's an anchor that was there. Um, and what the city ended up doing was they ended up uh, painting this anchor with a white circle and black lines, right? And so what differentiates a Nazi swastika from all other swastikas is a white circle and black lines. And so they were using this anchor as like, if you went to the Point the Cascade homepage, um, they were using this anchor as, uh, as literally to bring everybody to, like they were using Nazi propaganda to bring people to the park. This is 10 minutes outside of Montreal. This is, ten, you know, this is 10 minutes outside. So I show up to this park, somebody reports me that it's there. And when I tell you, like from here to the building across the street, there's kids playing, okay? The next day is the Puente Cascade uh, yearly party when everybody's there. And I'm like, I'm looking at this thing. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, I, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, yeah. I don't even know what that guy. It's like one of these times where like, I have no idea what to do. And so I just let myself kind of, uh, I let myself kind of just be in the moment. And I, you know, it was really only this big, right? And, um, and so I'm there, I'm painting it. I'm like, whatever. And, and I'm about to blast away the swastika. And, and this guy showed, these two guys show up, right? And uh, it happened to be the mayor, right? The mayor of, of Pointe de Cascade. So he comes, he's like, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm like, buddy, I'm like, you have a Nazi swastika 10 feet away from children. I'm like, you think this is okay? Blah, 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 blah. Get the fuck out of my park. Blah, 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 blah. Like, who are you? Like, this has been here for 25 years. Who are you to tell me that this is, you know, whatever? Like, he had no idea what was going on. So um, he was, he, he kept on threatening me. And so I was like, oh yeah? I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm like, better watch what you're saying because like, you know, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm doing. And realistically, this is unacceptable. He's yeah. like, oh, da, 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 da. this is a mayor, right? A, ma yeah, you know, a, a, mayor. a mayor is somebody, you know, imagine there's a survivor or a Holocaust yeah. survivor that lives in Pointe Cascade and they're, they're fucking, her tax money that she's paying every year um, is going towards the city repainting this. Listen, there should never have been a white circle black lines, you know, like there's nothing. So, uh, okay, so I literally, I'm rolling my video, right? And he's right there and I take out my gun and I'm just, <laughs> and I just, oh yeah. I literally turn around and blast away the swastika, right? 
And this guy's face, man, when I, when I, it literally, it wasn't like, first of all, this is a cast iron steel anchor that, that, that literally, you know, that anchors a huge ship, right? You got to understand it's literally like this big. And, um, you know, the look on his face, he's like, I'm calling the cops. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to call the cops. And so he so calls, calls the cops. And so the cops are, um, you know, and there it's not, it's a small town, right? So they don't have, uh, they don't have like regular police. So the, the SAC has to come, SAC police come. And so, you know, it takes him like 10 minutes to show up. And so he's on the phone with them. And he's like, uh, yeah, he's like some guy came in here. Uh, he he uh, damaged our, our property. Um, and now he's leaving, right? He says he's leaving. I look at him, I go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm not leaving. I'm like, I'm going to be right over there and, uh, and tell them to come meet me over there. And so when I said that I wasn't leaving, because he thought that it was taken off. The, the, the mayor like looked at me like right down there. He knew something was up. Like he was like, what do you mean you're not leaving? Like you're staying? I'm like, no, I'm gonna be right there. So I, I, um, I you know, I ended up um, going back to the anchor. I ended up kind of setting up my camera and then the police came, right? Yeah. The police came and then, uh, um, you know, they came to me and so they basically, or, you know, asking me what was going on and I'm telling, you know, this isn't right, da, 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 da. And so they asked the mayor, they're like, what do you want to do? Do you want to press charges or no? And so the mayor was like, um, the mayor's like, no, I'm not going to press charges. Just get him out of my park, right? And so, and then as I'm like, okay, like, so I ended up, you know, I didn't want any like issues. I don't want to be arrested, like, you know? And so, um, so he's like, uh, so I'm packing up my stuff. I'm grabbing my tripod and my stuff and my vest. And he's like, uh, but as soon as you leave, this, as I'm walking away, he's like, as soon as you leave, he's like, I'm re, I'm, re, I'm gonna have this uh, swastika repainted exactly the way it was. He said those words. Oh Literally those words in front of the police, wow. in front of the police, on camera, said uh, that he's gonna repaint it as soon as I'm out of there. So I stop and I look at him and I go, listen up. I go, if you repaint that swastika, I said, I'll be back here tomorrow. I said, I'll be back here the next day and the next day. I said, I will buy a fucking house and plant the cascade. <laughs> every day, every day before I go to work, I will stop into this park and I will erase that swastika before you do it. So he literally, his eyes pop open, all the police officers, all their eyes are open. And he's like, how do I keep this fucking guy out of my park? And so he's like, you have to press charges against him if you want him out of the park. So he pressed charges against me, right? So like this whole thing happens. When I tell you it was like the biggest, this is the exact same time all the uh, Confederate statues were coming down in the States, right? It was literally the same exact time. And uh, it, when I tell you a whirlwind, it was the biggest story in the world for three weeks. That's what was going on in, in BBC called me, CNN called me, everybody around the I world. I saw you were yeah. on my fucking I, 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 I just, I sat at home and I just one interview after defending myself, same thing. Like, and so after like a week of me staying at home because I couldn't leave because I was just going interview after interview, I was like dead, I was drained, right? Um, and so like a bunch of things ended up happening after that. And, uh, you know, we ended up going to court, um, to see what it was. And, um, realistically, um, he, uh, uh went in front of the judge and, um, you know, the judge kind of like sat down and look, it was a big thing, right? I didn't want to like, I didn't want any bad thing to happen. Um, and he, uh, the judge looks at me, he goes, oh, Mr. Fleischer, I'm aware of your work. Blah, blah, blah. And he looks over at the mayor and he was like, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing, man? He's like, you want more terrible attraction to come to Point the Cascade? Right. Like, it hasn't suffered enough? Like, what are you doing, man? He's like, what, because your personal views isn't like that? Like, what's going... So, like, literally, I'm sitting here, and he's like, he's like, bang, bang, bang. Like, you know, this is what's going on. You know, like, uh, that's it. So he looks at me, and he goes, Mr. Fleischer, he goes, uh, 
it was your laid off area. I, I was banned from playing the Cascade for like six months, right? They weren't allowed me to come in. And so, uh, yeah, so he's like, uh, he's like, it's, it's good. You're going to pay $25 to repaint it one solid color because you damaged it. He's like, and then you'll figure out the proper way to get it, to get rid of it, right? And that's what's going on. And so, uh, you know, from that point on, it kind of, um, you know, kind of blew up what I was doing. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, ne negativity or what was going on. A lot of people were arguing, but uh, about, about should it be there or not be there? But there was this plaque, right? There was this plaque that was underneath the, that the underneath the anchor. And that, uh, so this plaque was like this like major thing with, with the anchor. And so the next day, all, everybody flew in. Everybody flew in from all over the world to come to this anchor. Uh, Europe, Australia, everybody flew in. And so, and so when they came to this anchor, um, there was this plaque, but the plaque was removed. They, they yanked the planks. The plaques off the the planks. They yanked they yanked the plaques off of both off of both things, right? And so like they yanked them off. And so um, and so all the guys were coming, and everybody was like, you know, this was like a world pre World War II anchor. Um, anyway, so somebody ended up calling me from uh, from the city of uh, of Point de Cascade, or like right over. It's like, listen, it's like I saw what happened. It's not right. He's like, those plaques were there, and you need to know what that plaque said. So she sent me the picture of the plaque, right? And on that plaque, okay, on the plaque underneath this fake World War II anchor was, uh, it said Hitler on it, it said uh, Chicago Hamburg Lines, and it said Nazis on it. Wow. Right? Uh -huh. the, the anchor had nothing to do with Nazis, had nothing to do with Hitler, had nothing to do with Chicago, nothing. So they were using, so I waited like five days for every hater in the world to kind of like just comment and comment and comment, and then I dropped it. And then everybody, you know, everybody was like, you know, holy shit, like they were using Nazi, fake Nazi propaganda to bring people to the park. And so, you know, that kind of blew up what it was. And, uh, you know, from that point on, um, you know, erasing hate kind of went even more viral. When, when was this? It's like two years ago. And, uh, but like you could look at the actual incident, you could look at the actual thing that took place, but what really took place, forget all me, forget everything, forget the anchor. What I did is I educated millions and millions, tens of millions of people on A, what a swastika was, B, what differentiates a Nazi swastika from all other swastikas, and C, that this sort of a situation is still going on in 2019 in parks, literally in 10 kilometers from major cities, yeah. Yeah. right? So, so for me, that's it. The whole educational factor really kind of beats everything else. It brings, it beats the publicity. It beats, it beats fucking everything else. So, um, and that's what it is. And so that's the same sort of thing with with erasing hate now. For them to see the videos, for them to know that those swastikas are there, for them to see that hate is there, is a major edu educational factor. And uh, and so yes, yeah, that's that's where we are with that. You had to go to court and all that stuff, but you also and what you got. Hold on, got... special shout out to my lawyer Jamie Benezri from Legal Logic. <laughs> this guy, this guy's the fucking guy. <laughs> I don't know if you guys don't have Jamie in here yeah. too. Get Jamie Benezri in here. The guy's a fucking spitfire. Jamie Benezri. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy comes walking in. It's so funny because like I try to stay away. You know, me and the lawyers are like, two separate <laughs> things. But this guy comes walking in with like eight dudes in suits and back of him, you know, like right out of a movie. He comes walking <laughs> into the car, you know. Unbelievable. Shout out to Jamie Benezri. Legal logic. So you, Jamie got, 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 got you scot free with the whole situation. Yeah, Thank Jamie God. definitely Jamie, and, got yeah, And the sure. judge understands. For sure, for sure, for sure. It's nice, but I have, it's nice when, when you have a, groups of people who believe in what you're doing who are going to there to represent exactly. you and so Jamie is somebody that I know ever since I was a kid and to have you know legal representation for from a professional like Jamie Benezri is, is something that was you know big for for racing hey yeah so you 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 went through all that legal fiasco uh, which is which is great at the end because you got what you wanted thank god yeah um but I've also noticed that you won multiple awards 
right? Peace Awards. Uh, you want to just talk about them a little bit? Just to you know, see it, the recognition. It, yeah, I mean, you know, awards aren't important to me. It's like uh, it's like one of those things we were talking about before. You know, it's, it's great. Um, they give me an award. An award or no award, it is and what it is, you know. So I got last year. I got the municipal uh, merit award for Quebec, which is the number one citizen in all Quebec who's making a difference. Eight point two million people. I came first, which you know, it, it's nice. Like once again, I'm down in uh, in you know in Quebec in in you know the parliament and. Okay, I, I got to go back. Uh, yeah. Give me my award. I got to go back home. I got to yeah. start doing what it is. Um, the. You know, I've got to say, Laura, I've gotten probably a bunch of awards, but uh, the one that, oh, the real one that I'm starting to kind of realize what it meant to me was uh, a peace medal that I got in, at the end of 2015. Um, they gave me a peace medal alongside 30 Holocaust survivors. And so um, I, when I went to the ceremony, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, right? And I was still in the mentality that it was only for myself. I was doing my own thing. And so it was great that I was getting an award, um, but I didn't even understand what the award was. I didn't know that I was getting an award with 30 other Holocaust survivors, which is, I mean, I have no business being in the same room, uh, let alone getting an award as, alongside 30 Holocaust survivors. Like, what I do is okay, but I mean, um, you know, not even in the same vicinity. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, uh, I went in and I ended up getting this award. And then after I got the award, every single Holocaust survivor came up to me and told me how much it meant to them. And so uh, it was extremely heavy, it was extremely emotional. Um, I went into my car after I left there and I cried. I cried for like probably five minutes. I, like, I was so emotional. Like I even, if you see me talking right now, it's like, I feel it. But that was the exact moment when I got into the car and I was crying and I stopped crying. Um, then it stopped being about me and it started being about everybody else. That was the exact moment. So right now, you know, it is still for me. I still, but now it's really, there's such a bigger picture that's going on that it was at that moment where it was like the first time that I realized like, this isn't your thing anymore. This is way bigger than who I am and it needs to be for everybody else. And so, wow. um, yeah, so that's, that was a monumental shift. Uh, it was a monumental, um, you know, time. And so, uh, Brian Bronfman was the one who gave it to me. And, uh, you know, at the beginning when I started, he was kind of guiding me around. And so now I'm kind of far away from it, but well, yeah, that's yeah. amazing, man. Um, you, you know what, Corey, like, uh, this, this whole experience has been just on another level. Uh, you're, an, you're an extraordinary human Thank and, you, uh, you know, you did it through, like you said, selfishness, but like at the end of the day, you created such a positive movement for everyone. So thank you, man. Yeah, man, no problem. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah. One thing if you would uh, tell the viewers at home, uh, one, one lesson, one, one piece of advice of, you know, wisdom. Uh, one piece of advice, one piece of wisdom is uh, honestly is just to believe in yourself. I think that that's really the biggest thing. I think just believing in yourself, um, just knowing that everybody individually, you know, individually is 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 just as strong as the next person. And so, everybody's strongest asset is them being themselves. And so, a lot of people look at loss in that. A lot of people don't aren't able to fully you know, fully gather themselves to be themselves because they're worried about other influences or sometimes other people are telling them that they can't do anything. You have to understand when I started doing this, everybody told me that was fucking crazy. Think about it. I'm, I'm driving around the streets of Montreal looking for hate to erase free of charge. Okay. And I'm putting myself in the situation and this is before this all hit. Right. So my family, my friends, I have a great support system. My fa my, my father is literally like, I, I, you can't get a better father. You can't get somebody who's more supportive. Um, my whole family, my friends, like supportive to the max, but everybody thought that I was fucking crazy and that I was wasting my time and I was putting myself in a dangerous place and, and that like, like, what am I doing? And you know, and, and I, I didn't care. 
because it was making me it was like this feeling that I had it was, it was like, completing yeah I'm like I don't fucking care what you think and so even though you guys have always been there for me like thank you but now I'm doing my own thing and so a lot of people you know have other have you know others telling them that they can't do things because they failed right because they failed means that their experience is going to go on to you and then people don't even fucking try to do it themselves because they're they're listening to what other people say when people tell me that I can't do something now it's like oh, right. I'm like tell me again wait yeah. what I can't I can't I can't do what I'm like okay like stay there five minutes I'm gonna show you exactly what the fuck I can do and there's no difference between me and you like I don't have like all these like things that, that separate me from everybody else so um, my my advice to everybody is to is to just fucking be yourself and to uh, and to and, and to go out and every day and not to listen to anybody that's putting you down and be careful of who you're surrounding yourself with because that's like one of the biggest you know uh, people don't take that seriously enough who you know tell me who you are show me who you're hanging around with um you know showing who your friends yeah, are yeah, yeah, that's it that's it and, and so and so you know if you're hanging around people i've dropped a lot of people in my life man i've draw i used to have a crew of 35 dudes and you know and this and that I, man i have like fucking a circle of four people now you know i have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people um you know that that you know are you know supposed to be there with me i have four fucking people in my circle i keep my circle tight as fuck Tight, tight. If I don't know you for like 25 years and like you've proved to me over and over and over again who you are, you're not in my circle. And uh, we, we could be acquaintances, but for me to call you, you know, I literally have like four friends mm. that, I, that I do my thing. And so that's on purpose. And so that's made me stronger. And, um, you know, be careful who you're hanging around with. You could have, you know, this, you know, be careful who's in your circle, but isn't, uh, you know, who's not being there for you. You can have plenty of people in your circle you know, who aren't, you know, be well, careful. Yeah, you know, a lot of people will piss on your fire instead of putting logs on your fire. And it's because, you know, everybody wants to see you doing good, but nobody wants to see you doing better, better than, than them. them. Nobody, no nobody, more. nobody, man. And so not even your best friend, like literally that's what it is. And so you just got to take it with, you know, upon yourself to kind of just step up and to just kind of push everything away. And so I was lucky enough that my whole life, I've, I've been training for this exact fucking thing, man. My whole life, every moment, every failure, every mistake, every every challenge has all led me to this exact fucking moment where I'm standing at the prab table with you guys right now, having a discussion about uh, about whatever it is, inspiring, you know, inspiring whoever it is. And so, you know, your audience, my audience, whoever's looking at home, if there's just one, you know, and you said before, I don't have to be here, right? And I could have just completely ignored you guys. If I'm gonna change even one fucking person's life watching this right now, man, I is fucking made and it's simple yeah, yeah. Man, you it's changed four of them yeah, I can tell you this right now the handshake